0: This week on the Tech On Tap podcast, don't panic, it's just the cloud. Well, welcome to the Tech On Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp! I love this company. Zipalk! Zipalk! I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the studio and I have no one in the studio with me. I am all by myself, but that's okay because I have plenty of people on the phone with me today, uh, courtesy of Zoom. Zoom, you're... No, 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 I'm not going to get... (laughs) It's going to totally go into like a Zoom spiel, but I'm not going to do that. That's funny. All right, so uh, on the phone with me today... uh, Sorry,
1: uh, delayed reaction. That was sorry. hilarious. You had your own little discussion there. I know. I was
0: totally going <laughs> off that tangent. I, I, I went off on my own tangent. No one is here to reel me in. I am a loose cannon.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm just going to encourage you because I find that funny. Yes, it's pretty
0: funny. So, on the phone with me today, you hear that voice there. That is Janine Walter. You may have heard her before. So, Janine, uh, tell us who you are, what you do here at NetApp, and how to reach you.
1: So, I do technical marketing. Um, and my focus is uh, data protection for ONTAP and all things ONTAP.
0: All right. We'll be covering that Very here exciting. in a second. Uh, so our, 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 our overarching theme today is going to be cloud. And because of that, I wanted to bring in the big guns. So uh, one of those is Phoebe Go. So Phoebe, uh, if you could tell everybody what you do here at NetUp and how to reach you.
2: Hello. Um, yes, I am a cloud architect in our Australia office, which is uh, down under, and um, and I do all things cloud, as you mentioned. So I, I basically help our, um, our our sales team, our field team, and also our customers, partners, and you know, understand the, the value of the NetApp cloud portfolio and where it fits in, but also um, a lot of the conversations I have are really just around, well, what is your cloud strategy? What are you trying to do? Let's talk about all the new stuff. Um, and and how it how it how all these really cool topics that are kind of cloudy topics um, really fit into businesses and organizations.
0: So, Phoebe, if you um, want to reach you, how do we do that?
2: So, I'm I am relatively active on Twitter at at Phoebe G O H, and I'm also on LinkedIn and and email. If you reach out, I um, I always respond. If always.
0: Also, always. Phoebe yes, always. does. <laughs> Do do the toilets revolve the other way around? I
2: I never check because the only time I think (laughs) about it is when I'm in the U.S. And then people ask you, Australia.
0: These idiot Americans (laughs) ask you if the toilet revolves the other way. I don't think it does. I don't. I don't. I think it's a lie. Um, So uh,
2: there's the toilet anyway. Like really,
0: (laughs) speak for yourself. It's fascinating. (laughs) It's like a dryer but wet. <laughs> anyway,
2: <laughs> well, the dry the way.
1: I, 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 I see we've already gotten into bathroom humor. I love it.
0: <laughs> so it always goes there for me. I don't know why. <laughs> always. <laughs> so uh, also on the phone with us today, uh, no stranger to the podcast, Miss Comms Ninja herself, Amy Lewis. Hi, Amy. Uh, if you could tell everybody what you do and how to reach you.
3: Well, hello. Um, Yes, I'm Amy Lewis. I am the Director of Influence Marketing at VMware, but more relevant to this cloud conversation, I am uh, on the world tour, the vMug circuit, talking about clouds and your career journey, the impact that clouds have on people in our industry in terms of uh, career choices. Well, and you kind of, spoiler alert, the best way to get me is at CommsNinja on the Twitter's. Um, running joke is I answer it faster than I do my text messages and definitely faster than
0: email. So this is true. I can confirm. <laughs> if only they could send calendar invites through Twitter, I'd be, I'd have it made.
1: <laughs> oh, and only to throw in my Twitter. i um, um, at J9Walter.
0: Oh yeah, we didn't add your Twitter. Let's do that, Jane and Walter. We'll add all these in the show notes if you're interested later on. So today's topic is going to be cloud, and I want to call this podcast, uh, Don't Panic, It's Only Cloud. Uh, So we're going to cover cloud as a general topic and how it's impacting tech uh, as a whole. And to start off with that, I want Phoebe to kind of just give us the demystification of cloud. You know, for people who don't know and think it's just a buzzword, what is it actually?
3: Wait, wait, is it other people's computers?
0: It, it confirmed <laughs> serverless also has servers continue
2: yeah it's it's so disappointing isn't it the cloud is not actually in the sky <laughs> um so I, I guess what you know what i like to, to talk about when it's when i talk about cloud is it's not so much about the technology at all i mean yes it it's computing and, it, and, and storage and other services that run on somebody else's computer but really cloud to me and and really when we start to talk about it, is about what it brings you and what it lets you do. And the reason that cloud has become so popular is because businesses, people, I mean, not just businesses, just everybody out there now has access to um, computing resources and, and all these extra kind of really cool services, all the API services that previously, in order to do that, you needed to have a a data center, and you had to have some servers. You probably paid a huge power bill, and and so it wasn't accessible. And so, cloud is really, to me, about accessibility, um, and about a consumption model, which I, I would probably say is like you know being able to buy it when you need it, as opposed to having it sitting in your data center or under your desk or in a cupboard. You know, and, and I think, your power. <laughs> and one of the most interesting impacts, I think, because I, I think that's
3: an excellent definition, is there is no shadow IT anymore. So I think when we talk about career journey, sometimes and guilty parties tend to not raise their hands, but you can identify them in the crowd. If you've made your career off of guarding against shadow IT, um, it's time to to maybe think about things a little differently because there is no shadow IT, to your point. Anybody has access to these resources. Um, and whether you should or not becomes a different question, right? What we can do with cloud becomes the more interesting question. Um, but can you? It's no longer grabbing some old bits and parts or stealing space from from somebody down the hall, etc.
2: You can you can swipe a card and off you go. Yeah, and and I feel like shadow IT has a negative connotation, right? People are doing these things covertly because IT is being you know saying no. But really, I mean, the, what the cloud is bringing is is making that all accessible. I mean, why not? We we can build new services that maybe nobody had thought of because we have access to these resources. That to me is not a negative (laughs) at all. I mean, how, yeah, like you said, access and security are the the things now we need to think about.
0: So I think, I think the reason why it's got a negative connotation is the name It's like when I think of shadow IT, I think of these ninjas just hanging out in the background. Yeah. You know, well, well, it doesn't
1: it exactly it. have a good connotation, right? These <laughs> these rogue IT administrators that you got to bribe with things to get anything done and doing their own thing in the corner.
0: Floppy right. disk throwing stars.
3: <laughs> yes, <laughs> Those, that would hurt. That would leave a mark. <laughs> it would hurt? Yeah. But so I think we've got our next giveaway. But, should we?
0: Should we? Uh, <laughs> should we give? Should we give it a new name? Should it not well, be shadow IT, any, IT anymore? It doesn't.
3: Well, that's the point. It was. It should have a little bit of that negative connotation, and and to me, we have shifted out of that. It is a, a case where it's back to, um, like Phoebe was saying, there are questions of security and whether it's right for the business, but it's a point to to well taken. Of if your if your value is about stopping other people from doing work, that is one thing the cloud has kind of ripped away from everybody. Right. It can. You can't be mm-hmm. the Dilbert character work stopper. Right. You've got to. You've got to figure right. out. How to say yes in a in a way that's beneficial for the business. So it's it shifted, I think, what all of us do in terms of um, business acumen and and thinking about workload, security, the economy of it, etc. Like different conversations.
2: Yeah, and I actually think that um, you know, and when you're talking about career career journeys and, and how the cloud impacts that. I think that's really important because no longer can you just be a technical person. It's not, like I said, it's not about the technology. You really need to know, you know, why is my digital guy asking for this cloud stuff? You know, he wants to swipe his credit card and just do this thing. You need to understand what he's trying to achieve by, you know, in in that way, what that's going to do that he can't do today. And so you need to almost change the conversation, the vocabulary, so that we're having, we're on the same page when we're talking about using IT resources. Completely agree. I think that learning the language and that's one
3: of the things I talk about, you know, learn, learn the nouns, right? There's power in the right nouns, learning the different services that are available and and then being able to translate that into the language of business. Um, Because the other the other big shift, I think, is we're all in the IT business now. Right. Like uh, I was
1: going to say, it opened it up to the generalist instead of this IT or storage specialist that was isolated and You know, I own this and you own that. And it's now become more, more the generalist, the the jack of all trades that clouds opened up.
0: Completely agree. So Janine, what sort of practical applications have you seen for the cloud and what you work on? Like where, where are people using the cloud in the backup space?
1: Yeah, so, you know, it, like traditionally it's like, okay, you know, cloud was great for archiving data long-term, putting it out there, you know, you, instead of having to keep it on site, moving it off into the cloud, into Glacier or something like that, where it was cheap, you could store it forever. Um, but what I'm really seeing now is that people don't want to just do that anymore, right? Remember the old data centers where you, you had that secondary copy stuck somewhere and it just sat there until you had a disaster and then you recovered it, you know? Nobody can really afford to do that anymore. Um, and being able to actually utilize that data now for, you know, dev tests or big data analytics and actually putting that secondary copy of data to use is so much more valuable. And that's, I think, one of the things that cloud's really opened up. You know, if you if you couldn't afford to just have a secondary data center and you would just, you know, throw, remember the days of tape, right? Tape never dies. People were putting stuff on tape and, and sticking it at, you know, a, an off-site facility somewhere. And what was that really getting you? You know, it wasn't really getting you anything except the charge for storing that data somewhere. And I think what Clouds really opened up is the ability to store your data long-term somewhere off-site that's secure, and then also utilizing that data for something other than just waiting for a disaster to happen. I think that's what's really exciting to me in the whole data protection industry. I find that that to be great, you know. And, and of course, using that production fresh data to do things with speeds your whole on-ramp to, you know, a, a whole new application that you might be developing with that information or patching and testing that you would otherwise do with the wing and a prayer, <laughs> which I've been there, um, you know, it just opens up a whole realm of possibilities that weren't there before.
0: Okay. So another thing I've noticed with cloud is that it's not just capacity like it used to be. Now it's also compute. Um, compute, right. Right. So, so Phoebe, what are you seeing in your space? Like, where, where are people starting to ramp up with the compute aspect of cloud?
2: I, I, well, the, the big topic, I think, at the moment in a lot of my conversations is around um, containers and microservices and, and how we start to uh, leverage that, not just for the workloads where, you know, a couple of years ago containers were, were being used, a lot for for things like web service, things that scale out horizontally really well. But now a lot of the conversations I'm having around how do we do that for our primary workloads that are, you know, previously were were monolithic applications sitting in a data center. It's really about looking at how how we move into a, a kind of container or a um, you know a serverless even approach to to doing primary apps. And I I, I think compute becomes Um, you know, we're not talking so much about how fast is the CPU or, or, you know, those sorts of questions anymore. They're not that granular. It becomes, what is the platform that I, um, I should use for this? You know, what is the orchestration tool that I should use for this? And hoping that that orchestration tool, um, or wanting to pick an orchestration tool that isn't really going to restrict what I can run it on. So for example, you know, if I want to run a Kubernetes cluster, I want to be able to spin it up on, um on different operating systems, on different cloud providers without having to really understand the, the underlying, you know, well how many pieces of this do I need and how many, you know, does it work on this kind of CPU and this model? And if I want GPUs, do I need to build a different kind of um, config? And I, I think we, we're really talking about running compute more um as, yeah like I said as a platform I think and then we can have conversations now about okay, now we've got this platform how do we move a monolithic app and, and look at the application part which is breaking up that structure and starting to, um, to, to break down what those services look like uh, and and we're really kind of adding value rather than worrying about yeah how many cycles do I have or is my disk spinning fast enough? <laughs> Well, and again, perfect
3: segue into that career conversation when people are hitting that panic button. So much of what they know as an architect, as a traditional architect, will cross-apply. A bit of training to find out what the delta is and where the lingo differs and some of the different considerations only makes you that much more valuable because so many folks are trained in that traditional thought as they lean toward cloud architecture it does, in, in theory, free people up to think more about that orchestration, the higher-level tasks. So, it is a matter of training yourself up as an individual to be able to have that conversation and provide that value back to your business. But I think also really exciting as we look at the number of tools that are available in terms of doing that kind of orchestration and management layer, right? And In theory, we all don't want to carry the pager anymore, right, and, and, and sort of evolve our careers up. So, more opportunity,
0: so Amy, what sort of advice are you giving to people that want to, you know, explore this a little more and, and get more involved with you know, with the cloud and, and understanding how it works and how to how to deal with it?
3: Well, I think ideally if you have, I I really like project-based learning. So if you've got, um, and like Phoebe was just saying, there isn't a one size fits all. It's not like you have to throw everything every time, every workload. Um, and Janine was saying a lot of the same things, right? There are granular different solutions for whatever your issue is at hand. Um, I think if you start with a project based learning, ideally, if you've got one through work, but if if work hasn't provided you that opportunity, then it is inexpensive enough to do some coursework on your own um, number of of different uh, groups online that that provide training, either at a minimal cost at a low rate, do some training, or do an actual sandbox project, and learn, find out where your gaps are, um, so that you can figure out what you like and what you don't. So that it's more likely to pull you forward, because I think if people look at, oh, I've got to learn cloud now, or I have to participate in this, you know, it shouldn't be the 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 Brussels sprouts of the uh of the of the tech world, and not that we don't all love Brussels sprouts now. They've
2: they've had a transformation. <laughs> They're really good with bacon. You know. <laughs> Sorry, <does laughs> bacon saying, yeah, exactly. Yeah, everything yeah. is
1: better with bacon, <laughs> but. I I agree with you, Amy, because like, uh, you know, I I came from my background is just traditional backup, right? I mean, in fact, I came from the days of like Tivoli storage manager and tape, right? And like this whole cloud thing, it's like that it was mystifying when I first got involved in it. And I'm like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do this. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that you learn. It's not that hard. A lot of what you were doing before translates. A lot of the things, you know, there's new new words and, and you know, new things to learn, but overall the concepts are very similar and, and you're right, if you have a project at work that you need to do and you need to get it done, you kind of learn on demand and figure it out as you go and find people either within your organization or someone that knows what they're doing and ask for help. And people are, as a general rule, more than willing to help you out if you have a question or a problem and um, you know, they, they usually jump right in and try to solve your issue or, or your problem right away. So I found that to be a really good way to get started too.
2: Yeah, I think there's this real understanding that there's no like when when you said, Amy, when you were saying that, you know, people are kind of going, "Oh, how do I learn cloud?" I mean, cloud is like, you know, going right back right to the beginning of the podcast. It's it's a collection of things. It's like it's it's not just one technology. And you know, if I was saying go go and learn um, how to you, you know how to learn with one specific part of cloud that's different. And I think everybody has a different interest area. I mean, I definitely, you know, find Kubernetes really cool and, and really interested in, in that particular side of it. But that's just one aspect of how to run workloads in the cloud. It's not, um, you know, I could dive down for hours and days into into just that one element of running a cloud workload. And, and you know, people need to find something that really catches them. Um, you know, Absolutely. Might be might I agree. Be, and like you said, like there's so many people out there with, with experience in different areas. I think it's, um, yeah, it, it, sh- it shouldn't be as scary as it sounds.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's how you find people like find, find, you know, whatever you're working on at work now, if that's the project you're working on, you know, that usually translates into then moving it into the cloud. And then, like you said, there's so many different parts of it and so many aspects of it. I'm I'm never going to know all the pieces to it. But anytime I touch anything else, like I do have a project where I have to back something up with Kubernetes or whatever, I go find an expert, you know, someone else who knows that that I don't know anything about, and get help, you know. Um, and and I think people are willing to share their knowledge as, as a general rule, you know.
3: And and that's another one of my tips. If if say. If you're doing it by workload, absolutely agree. Like there's resources and community and a lot of help. If someone's thinking about a career transformation and they really want to dig in, I suggest people go to LinkedIn and Google the titles that they think they want to have next, right? For their next job. Because the cool part about that, it will give you some indication of where your skill set is and where you want it to go, how aligned you are already. It's probably going to be more reassuring than scary and you're likely to find kind of an interesting group of people you may not have known before working on projects doing things kind of going after the same skills that you want so it's a great way to develop your own linkedin profile figure out what you want to do next and and lean in a little bit to that community that could help you that's a great idea
0: one thing i've kind of noticed with cloud is we are able to draw on prior experiences with on prem and you know just normal it operations and improve upon it a bit, right? We're able to take this cloud concept and realize that some things we did before maybe weren't so intuitive, maybe they weren't so simple. So now that we're building this all from the ground up, let's go ahead and make it the right way the first time, right? Would you would you say that's the case, Phoebe?
2: I, I'm so glad you brought this up because I was I was thinking about it while we were just chatting before, and um, one of the things that you know I, I I always think about with cloud is it's like oh we've I've come across this problem before. I mean, Janine probably has the experience of going, we've we've solved this problem in an on-premise way, and now we're having that conversation about how do we solve it in the cloud. We're kind of going, well, it's kind of the same problem. We're trying to protect something or we're trying to um, move data from you know from A to B. But now we have all these extra options as to how we could do that. You know, do we move it into um, into a particular hyperscaler? Do we put it into a particular kind of uh, destination? Like maybe we're using object storage instead of just moving it like for like into block, are we moving it into something that we can then um, start to, to utilize as, as, you know, another data source. And I think it's, it's taking all the knowledge that we have and we had, you know, all these problems that we solved um, and almost breaking apart what we, what we, took for granted. So, you know, one of the things I think we all took for granted is that you back up onto slower media. You know, that that was just, you, you moved it from a spinning disc onto a, a slow tape. And, you know, as Janine was alluding to, you know, if you wanted to use that secondary storage, you could move it into the cloud and then, and you may not end up putting it on the same media. And so we kind of have to break apart our, um, our previous assumptions and look at, well, okay, now we have these other options. What else can we do? And does it make sense to, to do that, you know, from a cost perspective, from a usability perspective? Um, so in terms of architecting, um, I find that having the prior experience really helps because we know the mistakes that we might come across. But on the other hand, we also have to make sure that we're not just carrying over biases from on-premise into the cloud or into a hybrid cloud architecture and say, well, you know, is that still the case?
1: I was just going to say the same thing. I mean, because, don't you think too, though, because the persona has changed um, to more of the generalist, it it kind of frees those instead of like, you know, where you were thinking, okay, well, I just do storage. So the only thing I'm thinking about is storage and we always do it this way, so this is the way I'm going to do it. But because that, that kind of role is gone and it's more this IT generalist, um the, the ideas are different, too, and the way to do things are different. And I'm, I'm always interested in, in hearing from other roles and other people in how they do something, because sometimes it's something I never even thought about. So because the personas changed a little bit, too, a lot of the way we used to do stuff and a lot of the hard line, okay, we have to do A, B, and C, because that's the way we've always been told we have to do it. That's kind of all gone away. And that's been really freeing too to let you kind of do different things. And like we were saying before, actually utilize the data and do something with it besides having it sit in a vault somewhere.
3: Well, and to give the, the hybrid cloud flavored comment into this, um, I I can see both these angles. We were talking at the beginning of the show and I think, I think Phoebe was saying, um, that, uh, people tend to do what they're going to do. So that concept of tech bias and, and we get a little set in our ways, um, and I think the, the, the magic here is figuring out how to give people the comfort zone to see that this is not that different than what they were doing and provide that plus one sort of idea. Um, and not to be a VMware commercial, but it's so cool to listen to people talk about like the, VM, the VMC kind of things, the VMware cloud, um, and, and that kind of nested concept of it's the same thing I've done before, but in a cloud environment. So it's similar, but I'm learning plus one new thing instead of like throwing everything out and learning all new things. Um, because what led us to shadow IT in the first place was maybe people digging in and doing it the way they wanted to instead of the way, the, the new way. And I've, I think vendor side, it, it can be difficult for us. The other thing I've really seen is everybody doesn't move at the pace that vendors get excited about producing new products right? We can't help ourselves. We get excited, shiny, 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 lean way over the skis. <laughs> and a lot of people are trying on a few workloads, right? They're not tossing everything out and buying the new one. Um, mm. And so uh, the transitional aspects of it have been really interesting to me. And, and listening to Janine and Phoebe, it, it makes me think you guys are having some of those very similar conversations that people, people want to stick a toe in, um, try something and, and realize they know more than they know. They think they
0: know. Right. Yeah. And then the
1: backup comes in because a lot of times that's the first workload. You know, oh, we can put our you know, backups in the cloud. We'll start there and go from there. You know, we well, can still do it on-prem just in case. But, you know, let's go ahead and put that workload in the cloud. And then they realize what they can do with it
0: once it's there. You know. So, so Janine, let's expand upon that a little bit. Why do you think people, and I think I know the answer to this. I'm going to ask it, though, because I'm going to play useful idiot. Why do you think people put <laughs> backups in the cloud first?
1: Well, I, I do think it's it's sort of a, a lower risk too, right? You know, if you especially if you're keeping like maybe snapshots on prem um, to to migrate that data into the cloud. Of course, that's that's one of the things that you can then downsize your data center on the other side. You don't have to buy additional disk. Then you can put it into the cloud and utilize the the you know hyperscalability in the cloud, where you can actually use the data instead of just having it sit there. And I think that's that's kind of makes it um, instead of moving the production. Into there, it's like, all right, well, you know, it's data protection. Um, it's my secondary copy of my data. Oh, and then actually now that it's there, you know, I can, I can do some really cool things with this. I can maybe do some development in there and accelerate some of my, my dev test environments by utilizing this data and having it not just sitting in a format that's unusable. So I think that's kind of intriguing to customers who are like, okay, I'm not really ready to wholeheartedly move my production data into the cloud just yet. But you know, I can start with maybe doing my backups there and and migrating some of my, my archive data there. And I think that, that kind of lets them get a toe in and experience what it's like and and you know, to what uh, Phoebe and Amy said, that 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 gets them started, like, oh all right, this isn't really as difficult. And that's that's the role that I was in for sure. You know, okay, well we're gonna do backups up to the cloud now. How do I do this? What do I do? I don't know, I don't know anything, how do I get started? You know, and that's that's where you start with that, and you kind of demystify it, and it's it's not as difficult as you thought in your head when you first got started.
2: Yeah, I really like that that concept that Amy mentioned about you know just adding one more thing, like just a plus one, as opposed to trying to you know build everything from scratch and everything is new because that sounds really fun, yeah, to vendors, and it sounds really fun in a sandbox, <laughs> but when you're running, yeah, sounds great right. to running. the sales team. The sales <laughs> yeah. team's like, woohoo! Right. Yeah, please, please have <laughs> one of everything, right? I want <laughs> one of um, yeah, it, it really it's it's about going, okay, which is the, the one thing that I could do that would make a difference straight away, but not, you know, I wouldn't have to, to basically reinvent myself completely overnight. I mean, over mm-hmm. time I'll right. reinvent myself. Yeah. And I think that's that's the exactly. kind of, the power of automation and and just saying, you know, automating something. Maybe just starting to use one Ansible playbook is just the first step. But then once you kind of get your head around that and go, oh, okay, here's all the other things that that suddenly opens up. um, And then you can kind of grow from there. I like that.
1: And you really see what you can do with the data once you get there. I think that's what becomes really intriguing to most customers, or at least from my perspective that I'm seeing
3: and the other the other thing i hear a lot about is security because the the other sort of thing in my talk one of the ways to differentiate yourself i think is to talk about security outright right to learn it and and i think we are coming from a time where um that was that one person in the back of the room that nobody invited to cocktail parties because they would make you feel paranoid about what you were doing <laughs> to like we all have to be mindful about it right and I, I mangle the story terribly, but Bruce Davies, um, who was one of the, you know, OGs of networking and in your neck of the woods, Phoebe. Uh, so he does this in a much, you know, better story and with a better accent than I've got, but you know, saying network engineers were uh, told to connect everything and they were like, woohoo, we did. But that was 12 devices when they first did it. And now we've got like 12 billion and the, the surface area and uh, the The wiliness of the people who want to get to the data um, has increased so much that I think as people talk about cloud, as people enter cloud, as people think about cloud, knowing something about security, being concerned about it, being able to talk about it rationally and not in some hysterical way, because security is all of our problems now, right? And there's a lot more areas for attack. There's a lot more to learn and there's a lot more tools you can put in place and become knowledgeable about to help offset.
2: Yeah, I think security is one of those uh, those teams that people always said. Oh, they said no, you can't do that. Um, you know, no, you can't access this. No, you can't log into that system. No, you need to be a different, you know, on this different domain to get to that area. And I find that now more of the com- more of the conversation is is have you thought about it? What happened? You know, what's the worst that could happen if this gets compromised? And and so it becomes more of a um, a business question as opposed to a technical question of of locking things down it becomes well you know what's the business impact if if this security is breached okay well that's that's our business so let's let's work out how we can do that in a smart way and it becomes more of a collaborative discussion so security becoming i mean I, i think people will always think of security like like shadow it they'll always they'll always have this kind of oh they're they're watching me um it, it has that kind of connotation. But I think really when I talk to security teams, I'm actually, you know, genuinely hearing this this, real, this willingness to collaborate because they want to give access to things. Or, you know, they're seeing that there's value in in opening things up, but they just want to make sure that people have thought about it.
3: Great conversation with um, Aaron Banks, who is uh, always fun to talk to about that and demystify some of that fear because I also had that Perception, and and she would always say things like you know you lock the door of your house and your car right like so much of this is is common sense and uh and i think learning learning a little bit about it does differentiate a person and and i think we all have to think about it so that in the democratization if you will of it cloud has made us all responsible for that aspect in that conversation to your i love your point phoebe that it's it is a business consideration. There's reasonable risk and and again, tools to to put in place to think about how you do this correctly.
1: And I think that's what's holding a lot of customers back from wholeheartedly jumping in is to make sure their data is secure. You know, you hear public cloud and everyone goes, Oh my God, you know, what's gonna happen to my data if I put it up there? What's the security? Is anyone gonna be able to breach
3: my data? And that's obviously a concern for a lot of companies. I'm just trying to obliterate it. Security through obscurity. All the all, all the bacon photos. All the cat photos. <laughs> bacon <to> cat photos.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, so I watched that. Yeah, I would totally. I totally <laughs> yeah. would watch that. <laughs> so Phoebe, you were on a string, Paul Stringfellow's podcast recently talking uh, tech interviews, uh, and you were. Giving the you were using the term tactical cloud, um, I think that's interesting, and I think it kind of ties into what we're talking about here. So if you could maybe talk a little bit about what you talked about in that episode, and we'll reference the episode in this in the show notes. But um, you know, give us a little more detail on that.
2: Yeah, we we were talking about making it a hashtag hashtag tactical cloud, um, but it's really you know. To the point that cloud is is not one thing; it's it's really working out what makes sense and putting your workload into the right place and make sure it's the right kind of workload. I think, um, you know, what Janine was saying is that backup is the for, for people for people and businesses where you've had an on-premise data center and you're looking to use cloud backup is a sensible kind of first step. I mean, it's a it's to all those points that you said, low risk and so on, but um, in you know, in some other cases, it may not be, it may be that backup is coming out of the cloud into an on-premise environment. And so you really, you're thinking about, well, maybe we want to run our primary workloads in cloud because that's the best place for them in in the sense that we can scale quickly or we're getting access to the resources that we need. Um, and then, you know, when we say cloud, we're talking about, well, which cloud? Generally, that could be a hyperscaler. It might be, you know, VMC, VMware cloud, or it might be um, an, uh, a private cloud, in, in a Colo facility and it's just really making sure that we're thinking about those those things and not just kind of saying if it's cloud, it's somewhere else. <laughs> if it's on-premises, it's my data centre. It's more about being really smart about those or being aware of those um, considerations. And um, that was a really fun podcast with Paul. We went off in all sorts of tangents.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Stringy <laughs> so does that to you.
2: We're having really smart conversations about cloud. When, when it first... When public cloud really came into the landscape and it was just S3 and AWS, there wasn't a lot to really think about in terms of what I was gonna move there. But now there are so many options and so many really cool services um, and and additional things that we can do with data once it's in a public cloud. It's about saying, well, you know, which one do I wanna choose and why? And how much is it gonna cost me? I have to ask that question.
0: So I, I'm just now kind of putting this all together myself. Of uh, It just occurred to me that this is like the third podcast I've had in like the last month on cloud. And then I realized it's March. <laughs> and the weather, it's a cloudy month. It's a cloudy month. I, I Now I get it. It was all subconscious, this cloud thing. Um, but yeah, we, we, we covered uh, NetApp Kubernetes services this past week. And then uh, episode 180, we co- covered cloud volumes on tap, kind of gave an overview of that. Um, so... I don't really have a segue from that, but Amy, uh, <laughs>
3: I do. I have a, I, it's a <laughs> um, I love to bring learn, it home. I, I love to learn new Dutch sayings and I'm not going to be able to repeat it in Dutch. So everybody's going to have to look it up for themselves, but just came back from the Amsterdam V It's the largest, um, VMUG in Europe. There's like 800 people that come. It's awesome. Very windy. Wow. There. there are actual wind alerts. Um, so talking about cloud, talking about the transition and a move towards services, moving up the stack, um, automation, uh, management, et cetera, all those juicy topics. But being from the South, uh, I made the mistake last year of asking why are there so many windmills in in Holland, and of course I'd step outside and the wind would just like blow me down. So, um, March is super windy. So we have a saying, in like a lion, out like a lamb, right, for the wind of March. Um and apparently there's a a rhyming saying that's very similar in Dutch that's about the old king winter shakes his tail so it's like the end of winter. So there's a little cultural fun bit for everyone.
0: You mean you're not um, going to give us the Dutch saying? You're not going to try to murder the Dutch language for us?
3: I attempted to use a couple well food words because very food motivated in my talk and asked the crowd, "Hey, did I get that right?" and being Dutch, um incredibly blunt, they were like, "No, Amy, you didn't."
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I also do that when I try to say things like rookwurst or something. Like they're like, no, that's wrong. It's it's to- awful. Stop it. I mean not
3: not even not. Yeah. <laughs> right. I get I get mad respect for my consumption levels of Dutch food, but when I attempt to say it, I'm I'm better just to stuff a stroopwaffle in my mouth and like nod my head. Like that's a much better. Did you,
0: better did, you did you have a raw herring and onion sandwich?
3: Um no. Why that, not?
0: traditional well, dutch fare.
3: Yes, and a good buddy of mine was like, don't even think of it. They're not fresh yet. They're last year's catch. So, May. Oh, the answer is May. Oh, gross. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, when I went when I went, I I had one. And the first oh. bite was like, "Oh, this isn't bad." And then you start chewing, you're like, "No, this is awful. This is terrible." This and then you start really crunching bad. on the that raw onion, you're horrible. like, "No, nope, this is really oh, really God. bad." <laughs> that sounds terrible.
3: The secret is the um is the croquettes. Um, oh, yeah. A little bit different than the croquettes and croqueta in in Spain or around the world. These have gravy in them, so it's almost like the soup dumpling equivalent of a croquette. Um, highly recommend. Oh, interesting. They also have the, so the little puff pancakes, okay. the profiteroles. You know. Yeah, I love the
1: ones in Spain. The Spain or Spanish ones are excellent.
3: Yes, My favorite. I have to put these right up against them. So highly recommended for anybody mm. who's interested.
0: Dutch food tidbits (laughs) from Amy Lewis.
2: Good to know. Good to know. (laughs) We should always have food on your podcast.
0: (laughs) Always. Food and potty humor, but separated. It it
1: should all start (laughs) with, (laughs) yeah, start with bacon and end with bathroom humor. I mean, I think that's the
0: way it That's the circle of life. (laughs) And in in Australia, the circle of life revolves the other way.
1: (laughs) The other way. You start with bathroom humor and end with bacon. (laughs) That's
0: right. So, um, Getting back on topic. See, this is the way this things go. Uh, so, Amy, uh, <laughs> as far as cloud careers go, I know that there is a certain level of consternation from admins of IT of all varieties that are a little worried about cloud taking their jobs. It took jobs. So h- how do they get around that concern? What do they do?
3: Um. I, well, I liken this back to, I'm sure you all remember a few years back, um, in the industry, it was code or die. Like, we don't seem to do anything halfway. We like to whatever or die, we'll right?
0: Die. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Tape is <laughs> dead.
3: Cloud cloud or die, I think, is the the new kind of fear mongering. There will always be, and the running joke became, um, there'll always be one mainframe person, but you better be the best mainframe person or the other mainframe person will come take that one job. Very few of us, came into technology because we wanted to sit still and not learn new things and this really is just um, an amendment to what you already know. So yes if you're really stuck in what you do right now and you only want to do that then you'll probably get really good at it. But as, a, as an industry overall technology's change we figure out better ways to do things we get new challenges that's that's part of the joy. this is this is one more one more stop in that ongoing journey for all of us.
0: So Phoebe, when you first I'm I'm guessing you weren't born into the cloud, right? I mean, you were probably doing other things before you got into cloud architecture. Where did like where did you learn? Like how did you learn it?
2: I, I really that's a good question. I've, I've never thought about it really that much because I'm sure at some point I logged into you know, my AWS console or my Azure portal or my GCP, whatever console I think it's called, for the first time, you know, and I went, oh, look at this. But is that a multi-cloud uh, humble brag? Well, I, mean, I, I just wanted to be getting back. That's so just data. <laughs> my what about
0: your Ali Cloud? Well, you don't have Ali Cloud. Oli Oli I didn't Cloud hear that.
2: Console. console yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure I looked at it and went, oh, this is this is new and I wonder what this does, you know, pressed press all the buttons. And, and I think to Amy's point, it's like a, it's exploring this new, this kind of new technology without thinking, oh, it's going to um, change everything overnight. It's just a it's a, an evolution of my education. Um, I mean, one of the things I really liked, actually, when I think about it, I, um, I recently got a new Mac. And so I've been thinking about setting up all the things that I used to have on my on my PC, on my laptop, and now on my Mac. And I was kind of thinking about, you know, my, my lab and I used to spin up um, different VMs. And and these days, and I, I went for a period where I didn't actually have any VMs running on my PC. I had them all running in a cloud provider. And I, I just thought about that in a sense of, well, I was just picking what made sense for me at the time, whether it was faster to spin up or whether it was the lack of memory on my old laptop or something like that. Um, so I was really just making my life easier and that was – my reason for even starting to look at the cloud. And I think it's very similar for a lot of technologists just going, well, the way that I'm doing things, maybe maybe there's a better way of doing it and going out there and doing a bit of research and finding that, yes, there is a way I could do that using a hyperscaler or a different, you know, as a service. And I'm going to just try that. And if it turns out to be better, then cool, that's great. And if it turns out that you know, I still get some benefit from running it on premises, then I might do that too, or I might do that instead. So um, that was probably how I, I started doing it. I was lazy and I wanted the most efficient way of doing something. <laughs> so I went out there and just tried playing around with different that things. That seems counter,
0: that seems counterintuitive. You were lazy. So you just poked around until you learned it. <laughs>
3: this this makes so much, this speaks to me because I find that I will work harder to do something automated or, you know what I mean, to quote unquote simplify, I will, hours of research and time will go into it when I could have just manually entered the keystrokes,
1: but mm-hmm. I will conquer
3: it. Yeah,
0: but then you don't yeah, have this to. Is,
1: then you have to do it again. Like a million part times. Of that automation. Yeah. Like if I'm going to do it, yeah, if I have to do it more than twice, I, I'm going to figure out a way that I can automate it so I never have to do it again.
2: True. Yeah, Absolutely. So Until I find that, I, it would have been faster for me to, to do it twice. I've just done it. Oh, yeah. In in it, absolutely. Yeah. Right. In most cases. But you
0: cannot put a value on the knowledge you have gained in the journey.
2: <laughs> yes. Very true.
0: <laughs> so what are your general thoughts on certifications? Like, do they make sense? Are they needed? Is this guided training valuable? Or is it more valuable to just poke around?
3: I think it can be either. Some folks are really goal motivated, and that's what makes them go, Right. You're, you you want the certificate at the end so you do the work going through um, if going through the the process is is the valuable way to learn then then that can be it I think whatever it is that puts makes you learn is the right answer in terms of certification in the marketplace I think that's such a complicated answer right for some companies that's an easy pull your resume out of the pile for others they they look at time and experience or projects it's it's such a difficult answer so forcing yourself to do something you hate is not gonna I've been I actually have Marie Kondo spoiler alert in my deck and it's like does this spark joy because basically if you don't if you're not doing this in a way that sparks joy for you you won't continue it so I I feel very mixed on certifications I think they benefit people who want to do them and throw themselves into it but if you hate it and it makes you miserable then it doesn't
0: I bet you Marie Kondo uses the cloud <laughs> and i bet your i bet your cloud store is filthy it's disorganized yeah, exactly. it's scattered her data management skills are probably awful but her dresser I, drawers I perfect
1: too. if if you're you know if you're trying to learn this on your own and you're you're then trying to prove value if you're looking for a job a certification could probably help right so if you don't If your company isn't doing that, and you've decided you want to kind of move into a role like that, but you may not have, you know, actual hands-on experience at your job, but you've been doing it on your own, a certification might be a good, you know, entryway into a a cloudy role by saying, oh, well, you know, I went and got this certification, I did this training and work on my own, and and prove to some degree your worth there. That might help you get in the door. But then, you know, after that, it's it's probably you know, years of, of experience and use that probably helps more than anything over the certification.
0: Yeah. And for me, certifications have value in that they show that you've done things. They don't necessarily mean that you've learned them. <laughs> and, it's you know, and, true. And you can apply yeah, this can, to like. And
1: you can take a test.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, you can apply this all the way back to Microsoft certifications, right? Oh, well, I've got my MCSC. Mm-hmm. Well, can you manage this Active right. Directory deployment? What's a global catalog. (laughs) Right.
3: I don't know how to do that. Right. (laughs) And the other sort of reminder in these talks is that oftentimes the person interviewing you is going to be way less technical. The person who can let you into the next interview, the second, third person hopefully will be peer level, but that, that those first couple scanners. So that can cut both ways as well. Like the certification, I think is a great point. Um, Janine just made can, can show action if there hasn't been something else in your career or triggers, but taking coursework and learning the lingo so that you are in line with the other candidates being considered gets you in the door you better better have the goods to be able to talk to the next person
2: right yeah and back think, it up right and i think that's really what it is 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 i mean going in there and and learning what it means and learning what that you know even even if you don't really know how at the end of the day, you're going to use that in a real world situ- situation, like how you'd administer it or how you'd operationalize it. At least you know what it is and what it does, um, and maybe what it doesn't do. I think that's a starting point that training gives you. That you know, otherwise you could you you may not have that experience or that exposure.
0: Yeah, and and I guess my next point was going to be if in lieu of certifications or in addition to either way. Um, teaching yourself and then writing about it as you're going, like keep track of it, you know, have a public portfolio out there in the form of a blog or in the form of demo videos or something Um, that can help as well, because that's going to give people an idea that not only are you learning the lingo and being able to answer questions, but you're also applying practical knowledge to it.
3: Well, and one, so I did a poll on this um, before I started doing these talks on Twitter to see what people would say to someone who said, I'm interested in getting into cloud um, many great comments, thoughts, and quotes, and one of them I really appreciated from Keith Townsend at CTO Advisor said something to remember is the entry into cloud learning is so much simpler. It doesn't require any kind of a home lab. It really is a Chromebook and and an account that you could do something like even a, a cloud guru came up a lot as like a, a training portal that was that was much much enjoyed because they had such a variety of, of coursework and some free stuff but also like the sandbox ability through any of the, the public cloud forums that you could for the price of a chromebook and your time and energy you could really get yourself up to speed so uh, something that may have been necessary in networking compute storage back in the day requiring a home lab not that not that barrier anymore
2: be able to do it anywhere training sort of on the train or on the bus on the way to to work as opposed to needing to sit next to the um, next you know wired into a switch or something like that
0: so instead of playing flappy bird i could be learning my cloud
2: (laughs) you know one
3: my dream is to have flappy bird teach you about the cloud i love me some edutainment so it would be awesome oh yeah
2: I, I'm I'm so driven by gamified <laughs> Me too. Did
0: you guys did you guys ever see the NetUp game that was created several years ago? The data center no. defender? Did you, not, uh, no. did you not see this? I
2: feel like I'm missing yeah. out. <laughs> Good
0: though. It was not. Check it out? I don't know who I don't know who signed off on it. It was like it was basically like a web based oh, game. Oh how funny. And it was like uh, like a Basically, trying to defend your your data center, and it was it was weird. <laughs>
3: defend your data center. That's it was awesome. so weird. <laughs> I think we we got to figure out how to make Fortnite get up in in the edutainment. Like run, run with what's hot uh-huh. right now,
0: exactly, right. 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 right? Yeah, there
3: you go. Exactly
2: right. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> my uh, my son, he he he's like five, and he doesn't play Fortnite because that'd be that'd be a bad parenting for my, for me. Um, but he <laughs> uh, he knows all the Fortnite dances, so he, <laughs> he uh. <laughs> He's Learning like, "Mommy, this this time. is make it rain." I'm like, uh, <laughs> "Where did you learn that?" How funny! So you take your hand <laughs> and, and, the, you, the and Carl- you and you slap Carlton? it. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. We all
1: we all know the Carlton. Yeah. Well, Carlton sued. Oh,
0: that's funny. Carlton sued. For I know that. Lost. he lost. He did. Yeah. Carlton yeah, can I never know. win. Carlton yeah, he, can never win. He did. He did not win. It's too bad. All right, Amy, Janine, Phoebe, thanks for joining us today. Uh, if we want to get in touch with you, Janine, how do we do that? Uh, at J Nine Walter at Twitter, LinkedIn, right. and email as well.
2: All right, and Phoebe, um, I'm at Phoebe Go on Twitter and yeah, LinkedIn, email, oh anywhere on the internet really.
0: Anywhere on the internet, even the Reddit's. Um, Amy Lewis
3: at Ninja because if you try trying to f- try to find Amy Lewis's the other Amy Lewis can do some sketchy things, so don't do that at Ninja. Yeah,
0: Amy Lewis, no longer lamey.
3: <laughs> oh well. In, in and <laughs> handle if not in spirit.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks everyone for joining us all right that music tells me it's time to go if you'd like to get in touch with us send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. as always if you'd like to subscribe find us on itunes soundcloud and stitcher or via tech if you like the show today leave us a review on behalf of the entire tech on tap podcast team i'd like to thank amy lewis phoebe go and janine walter for joining us today as always thanks for listening